Welcome to Small Business Big Network, the podcast for small business owners who want big results from their networking. I'm Liz Drury, a freelance voiceover artist who knows that if you're not working, then networking could help. John Attridge is one of the founders of the BBX Trade Exchange and a best-selling author. He's also a prolific networker, attending around 10 meetings per week. Thank you very much for being my guest on the podcast today, John. My pleasure and uh, lovely to be with you on such a lovely day. Now, I'm sure straight away people can tell that you're not a native Brit. Tell us where you're from originally. Yes, probably a little bit south of where you're listening from today, <laughs> but uh, I live in Bournemouth, but uh, <laughs> originally from Queensland in, uh, in Australia. So tell me about your, your early career and what your first job was, John. So when I left university, I got a job at Coca-Cola. Um, mm. So uh, uh, that sounds glamorous and whatnot, but it wasn't in the management team. It was mending pallets that had been broken out <laughs> in about five acres out the back. Wow. And uh, being a farmer's son, I was given the job of cannibalising broken pallets and uh, making new ones out of them. So uh, my first three months in business was uh, cannibalising and uh, re-engineering pallets. I never would have guessed that was a job, John. <laughs> Nor would have I. And after three months, I don't want to see it again. <laughs> so what happened next? Where did you go from there? So I, I started a career with MLC Life, which is Australia's second largest life office. And I went in there for uh, a, a bit of work experience and 13 years later ended up as the national sales manager. Right. So you, you climbed the ladder then, John. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it was a fun job. I enjoyed it. And uh selling it's one it's a it's a strange how you end up in a career that you find a, a little bit of pathway with mm-hmm. and uh, it taught me a lot I you know I was mingling with six to eight hundred commission-based sales reps from all over Australia and so uh, it was a great learning curve they were a great company to work for and with and um, as I say spent it up uh, 13 years there yeah and so what made you move on from that that career had an opportunity. I'd been to the Life Underwriters Association, which is the collection of uh, the industry body for the industry, and um, met up uh, with an old friend on the Gold Coast in Queensland, mm-hmm. and uh, who I'd played football with and coached. And he had a car rental business, and getting around in a pair of shorts and an open neck T-shirt and dealing with customers in the open air seemed a pretty you know, a nice example after yeah. being 13 years in a suit and tie. Yeah. And so how long did uh, did you work in that business for? So we started that from scratch and uh, we ended up selling that uh, in a trade sale uh, for a decent five-figure sum um, uh, about five, six years later. Right. So tell me a bit about what you do now and how you came to be doing that. Yeah, so everything was going well. Uh, in the car rental business, uh, we had Brisbane, uh, wo- sorry, World Expo in Brisbane mm-hmm. in uh, 1988, and uh, we ran for the six months of the expo and the two months either side, with more than a hundred percent occupancy in our car rental business. Mm. So we'd done really, really well, and I'm sure there's people out there can resonate with the fact that when the things are going well, it can be a good business. So yeah. we were 24/7 full chat. At, as quickly as a car came back, the next one, it went out again with the next person. Yeah. 
But fast forward 12 months, and in 1989, we had a pilot strike. So every commercial pilot in Australia went on strike, and this lasted five months. Wow. So you can imagine we were relying on people jumping off an aeroplane because yeah. if they drove to the Gold Coast, they didn't need to rent a car. Yep. Um, so we went from hero to zero instantly. So within the second week, we, we had nobody. So our biggest problem was where to park unrented cars. Yeah. So we still had our, all our overheads, the payment to Mazda, the wages, the rents, the, the leases on the premises, but we had no revenue. And fortunately, I'd seen in the US a year or so previously a thing called a trade exchange, mm. which is where business owners get together and do business with one another using a central exchange mechanism rather than a direct trade. Mm -hmm. So we decided, got 50 of our friends in business together, the service mechanics and the media people and hotels and restaurants and whatnot and formed a group of 50 businesses. And uh, 34 years later, we've expanded that group to directly and indirectly, there's about 480,000 in 31 countries. Wow. So tell me, tell me how it works then. So in essence, the idea is to capture and monetize what would have been former worthless spare capacity. So mm -hmm. take my car, it's sat on a driveway with a rent me sign on it. If, if that happens overnight, come tomorrow morning, I can never get the revenue back. Yeah. I've still got all the fixed overheads. Of, you know, I've still got to pay the leases and the wages and the rents and stuff, but I've got no money. So if I've got a useless asset, it's called a, then a wasting asset. If I rent that to someone in the group and I get a digital trade credit, I've now got a new customer and let's say it was £100 for a rental and 100 digital trade credits instead of nothing. Yeah. So from a marketing point of view, you know, I've got someone driving the car that might like it and tell their friends, so that might drive new revenue to me. Mm -hmm. It's taken a bit of business off budget Avis Thrifty and Hertz, which I always love doing. <laughs> um and so from a marketing perspective, it's better than a car uh, on the driveway with rent me. From a financial aspect, I've earned $100 with no rise in fixed cost. Yeah. So I've now got $100 that I can buy some marketing, pay an accountant, go on holiday, whatever I want to do by buying stuff back into the group. Yeah. The only cost in me doing that is a bit of wear and tear on the car. Mm -hmm. So uh, it also it goes through my books. So I'm adding to the value of my business yeah. for better borrowing and also if I want to sell it down the track, I'm increasing the sale price of the business. Now, none of that happens if the car sits on the driveway yep. with a rent me sign on it. Yeah, absolutely. So at what point, John, did you move over to the UK? Came in here, well, I, I sold that business to a, a competitor for a combination of script, stock, uh, trade credits and cash um, for a small eight-figure sum. And I came here to the UK as part of that deal to open up the operation for that uh, new company that I'd become a shareholder on. So that was in uh, 20 years ago. And um, uh, we floated that on the second board of the AIM here in 2011. So I had another nice exit. And then um, as soon as I'd been out of the industry for the required time, uh, I'd helped BBX begin mm -hmm. back in 1993. They were, uh, the original founders were a customer of mine. And um, uh, we helped them begin their trading entity because they were in Sydney and Adelaide and we were up in Queensland. Mm -hmm. And um, the guy got hold of me and said, hey, I want to open up a branch in the UK. And that was 10 years ago. Fantastic. So tell me what kinds of products and services are, are available through BBX? 
I always say the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, <laughs> and, and it's always on a moving conveyor belt. So spare capacity changes by the minute. Mm-hmm. So a hotel might have 30 rooms tonight and none tomorrow. So it's it's everything really, Liz, from hotels, restaurants, tourist uh, type stuff to um, you know, mechanics and professionals, you know, lawyers and, and uh, dentists and all that sort of stuff to tradespeople to wholesalers and manufacturers, uh, retailers, uh, media. It's, it's a full range of goods and services. I think there's over a 1,000 verticals in our community globally. Yeah. And presumably you're always looking for new people to join it. Yeah, we, 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 we're a funny sort of situation. You either come as via way of referral uh, from one of the existing customers or you see us at a show or something like that. We do exhibitions and that uh, all mm-hmm. the time because we work with a lot of exhibition companies networking groups and what have you but also we get demand from the existing customers and if they want a widget in Bristol and we don't have a widget supplier then we reach out to a supplier Mm -hmm. there locally and invite them to the group Um, or if someone's offering their services and they want to reach new markets and they want to reach out to a widget company in Bristol they say hey I'd like to sell my services using the trade credit so we reach out to them and say hey how would you like to buy some widgets and use trade credits instead of cash so Mm -hmm. Most of our market strategies are organic. Yeah, yeah. And have you found that there are sort of parts of the the country where there's lots of people that are involved in BBX and areas where there aren't? And and if that's the case, where would you like to see more businesses from? Yeah, really, if uh, you know, most businesses aren't geographically challenged, as we've found out through COVID. Um, so if you're operating, you know, voiceover services, you don't have to be in the next uh, street as the person you're doing it with. If you're doing marketing or any of those sort of things, you don't have to be anywhere particularly. And so we've got a mix of, of uh, national, online and local people. So they're scattered out throughout the UK. There's about 8,000 in the group here nowadays. Um, and uh, they truly are everywhere. So you mentioned networking a minute ago as to, you know, one way that people come to BBX. So tell me about how you you use networking and why you like networking. Yeah, we work with a number of groups. Uh, some of them are regional, like your partnerships, so, uh, or people like Find a Business Expert. Mm-hmm. Your partnerships are in mainly in the southwest, although they're expanding. Find a Business Expert is based in Wales. Uh, but you've also got people like uh, trusted uh, business people over in more of the East uh, Midlands. Um, and you've also got people like Go24, which combine networking groups. So they're like a hub for networking groups. Yeah. So um, we use networking you know, to get the word out into the marketplace as to what we do uh, online nowadays and in, uh, in situ. Mm-hmm. I don't mind either. Um, so each have got the advantages. I'd like head you know, face-to-face so that you can talk to somebody and and uh, look at the cut of their jib, as they used <laughs> to say. Uh, but online works for me as well. We've been using online since before COVID mm-hmm. because we're in many countries. You know, We had to try and connect with, with, each, with one another online and we used Zoom back from about 2016. Yeah. Um, so each has its advantages. But, it, you know, it's a nice little window for a follow-up and I think that's where most people uh, miss the boat. You know, the 
some people go to networking events and act as uh, like a sales frenzy. Everybody mm-hmm. wants, you know, buy my stuff, buy my stuff, but nobody wants to buy anybody else's stuff. Yep. <laughs> and and that never works. So we use networking as an introduction mechanism. If we like the person, if there's a fit of some kind, then we usually connect with something on something like LinkedIn, follow up later on and have a one-to-one conversation to see if there's a, a fit for them and a fit for us to work together. If so, um, we invite them to join the group. If not, uh, they might even be a referrer if there's mm-hmm. no fit for whatever reason. Yeah. So how many meetings would you say that you, you go to on average? Weekly, I probably do 10. Wow. Um, and, you know, because we're in Australia and we're in America, I can be on a, a call at, at 5 a.m. local yeah. time. Yeah into the Asian and Australian, Australasian market and I can still be here at 7 o'clock at night talking to the US. So to me, um, we're an advantage if you're internationally uh, fielding business because I can cover the world and still be in one place. Yes, yeah. And you you mentioned earlier as well about going to um, expos. How useful do you find those from a networking point of view? Yeah, well, I've been to three or four in the last uh, week. <laughs> uh, I was um, I was in Cheltenham at Cheltenham Racecourse with uh, um, with Business Growth uh, Show with uh, Mark Linton, um, and that had sixty odd exhibitors and a couple of hundred visitors. So it was a great regional <laughs> show. Um, but and to the other end of the scale, la- last week I was in London XL for two days with the Business Show, who are also one of my clients. And there was like, I don't know, 700 exhibitors wow. and 20-odd thousand attendees over two days. So um, each of those shows has their advantages and disadvantages. Um, but overall, we find that we get, you know, great connections, great introductions. And, well, at both shows, we had around 20 customers were also exhibitors because mm. we helped the exhibition themselves. So... It's a great chance to not only catch up with existing contacts and clients, but also to meet new ones. Yeah, absolutely. So let's have a chat now about about your book. Tell me about how you uh, came to write a book and what it's about. Yeah, well, that's a leading question. I must (laughs) get round to actually uh, publicising it. Uh, We're in the throes (laughs) of doing it now, but I wrote it last year and it's called Business Blunders and Bloody Great Ideas. Uh, It's gone to number one in four countries. It's an Amazon bestseller. Uh, a, a proper one. Yeah. Um, but it's the story, Liz, of why 50% of people in business survive despite their best efforts not to <laughs> and the rest fail. So it's a collection of uh, observations, ideas, insights, case studies, actual stuff that I've been and encountered because, you know, I'm in a pretty unique position having worked with hundreds of thousands of small to medium-sized mm-hmm. business owners over the last 34 years I've seen some bloody great ideas and I've also seen some whacking blunders. So yeah. um, the the book is a collection of those stories. I've also got 101 uh, little snippets uh, from business contacts I've made because the unsung hero of a trade exchange other than buying and selling is the connections you make. Yeah. And I've met some really interesting people and, and the book shares a few of the ideas that I've got through that Plus some of the observations I've seen uh, where you know, people have made good, bad and indifferent strategies in trying to grow, scale and exit a business. And so what was it that actually prompted you to put all this down? Well, I'd been badgered for about 10 years at least. 
and and people had talked to me. I'd speak at business shows and and networking events, and people say, "Oh, John, I love the stories. You know, mm. why don't you get a book?" and it was just so tiresome and, and labour intensive and I was you know, busy doing a lot of things. I just didn't get any time to do it. So I came across one of my clients called Steve Foster and he has a group called One Golden Nugget. I've, mm. There's a thousand people that have run and, and exited decent-sized businesses and he got a thousand with, with a thousand quotes and put them into one book. Mm. He became a publisher and he said, John, I've got this great idea. You know, we could uh, capture all these uh, uh, chapters in Zoom calls mm. and, and we can record the Zoom call and then I can let my back end go away and, and edit and format and do all the spelling and whatnot. And I thought, oh, that's a great idea. So we did hours and hours and hours of Zoom calls. Yeah. They all got rec- recorded and transcribed. And uh, lo and behold, it ended up as a book. So... The hardest part for me was all the formatting and the time to sit down there writing it and that was taken away by Steve and his group. Brilliant idea. <laughs> so can you share with us some of the uh, the blunders and the great ideas that are in there? Uh, perhaps I'll give you a couple of both. Um, one of my favourite is uh, just before COVID, I was driving down the road here in Bournemouth and uh, I came across this sign that says... Uh, under new management, uh, come and try our outdoor pizza. Mm-hmm. And it was a business called The Pear on Parley. Sorry, Pear on Parley, if you're listening. Um, so I drove up the driveway, thought, ah, oh, we'll try this uh, pizza oven. I got my wife and two adult children in the back and mm. we came in, we had a lovely meal, it came to about 100 quid and walking out the door and I said to my wife, they've made three of the biggest blunders ever. And she said, what? Why? What, what was wrong? It was lovely. And I said, yeah, the, everything was great. That's... Blunder number one, they haven't got a clue who we are. Mm. Now, to this day, we still haven't been back <laughs> and we had a great experience. Yeah. So they didn't do any data capture. That was blunder number one. Blunder number two, because they didn't do any data capture, they didn't ask us what motivated us mm. to come up the driveway today. So not why did we like the food or did we like the food or some equally dumb question. It was, you know, what was the motivation? Now, if they knew the motivation, they could apply that to their marketing and increase their marketing uh, reception rates. And then the third thing they didn't do was give us an invite to return. So my wife likes Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc wine. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, they could, and that was like 28 quid. Uh, And I know that only cost five, six, seven max at the wholesale. Yeah, yeah. So they could have said, you know, come back and bring a friend and, you know, we'll give you a free bottle of Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc. That's 28% discount and value to me, but it only cost them five or six quid. Yeah. So there's a quick example of someone that is surviving despite their best efforts not to. <laughs> so where is your book available from, John? Uh, well, it's on all the good stores, but there's the Nugget store, um, which is onegoldennugget.com. Um but you'll see it on all the, all the stuff if you just Google business blunders and bloody great ideas or look it up on my LinkedIn profile if you just uh, put my name into Google and, and uh, put business blunders and bloody great ideas, the two will come together. Brilliant. So just one last thing I want to ask you about, John, because my dad is a massive cricket fan, so I don't ask you about this. Um, <laughs> tell me about your cricket umpiring and how you got involved in that. Yeah, so I'd played for a number of years and uh, and uh, in 2001, 
the short story is I got suspended as a player and part of my punishment is I had to undertake an umpiring course. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, for for uh, having stern words with the umpire, which were uncalled for, of course. Um, so I, I took up umpiring, actually retired from playing and then uh, loved umpiring so much I became a far better umpire than I was a player yeah. and ended up uh, for over a decade on the ECB D-list panel here doing uh, first-class, second-11 minor counties, uh, Premier Leagues and yeah. whatnot, umpired in a few countries throughout the world, met uh, some interesting players including Glenn Maxwell and Travis Head who yeah. were in the recent Australian winning World Cup team. Brilliant. I love that story. <laughs> so you, you, you were a naughty boy and then found um, <laughs> found your way to umpiring through it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, my punishment was uh, uh, poacher come gamekeeper and uh, into the into the fray. So I really enjoyed it. I, you know, as I say, I had nearly twenty years of umpiring and at decent level, and umpired some countries like Namibia and yeah. Kenya and UAE and Scotland and. And Ireland and places like that. So not the test level, but the one down. Yeah, fantastic. Love it. Okay, so we, you've told us how to find your book. Just finally then, John, if people want to find you, what's the best way for them to, to get in touch with you? LinkedIn, uh, Liz, is probably the best way. Uh, it's got all my contact details there. So just John Attridge, if you Google me and put BBX next to it, um, it should come up as number one on LinkedIn. Lovely. Well, thank you very much for being my guest. I've really enjoyed talking to you. And me too. Thanks for listening to Small Business Big Network. If you found this podcast useful, please do rate, review and subscribe. And don't forget to share it with the rest of your network too.